Modeling Success is here to attack building brand awareness for brand ambassadors and all entrepreneurs. So if you are feeling stuck or simply looking to grow and scale your business, let's dive right in. This episode is brought to you by Talent Book. Talent Book Masterclass are courses to help brand ambassadors grow and scale in the industry. Teachings from a talent booking expert on how to get into the business, overcome obstacles that happen out in the field, as well as grow and scale in the industry. If you are looking to join the upper echelon of brand ambassadors, get selected over your competition and booked consistently, or learn how to reach the goal in the industry you are striving for, visit tbmasterclass.com, enter promo code MODELINGSUCCESS for 35% off your certification now. You can join the upper echelon of brand ambassadors with TB Masterclass certification by visiting tbmasterclass.com, enter promo code MODELINGSUCCESS for 35% off and get certified today. Welcome back to Modeling Success. I'm your host, Ryan Donatelli, and today we have Mitchell Levinson with us. Hello, Mitchell. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited for this today. And Mitchell, a little bit, I want to just give everyone a little background on you first. You've been, your title now is Events and Activation Specialist, and you've been in the business for over 10 years, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, it's going to be great. And you um, went to UNLV. And can we start with your background and tell them a little bit about where you started at UNLV and what your initial steps were getting out of college from that major and ultimately where you ended up going in these 10 years? Yeah, you know, I, I love learning about people's careers because I think we all learn that each person's story and path is so unique. I graduated with my degree in journalism and media studies with an emphasis in advertising and public relations. Uh, I thought I was going to be the next Don Draper, you know, writing copy, Mad Men, the whole thing. Uh, When I learned how much copywriters make in real life these days, I ended up working for actually much less on the strip at nightlife. I had been working in college as a nightclub party bus host. And after I graduated, I I wanted to keep a nightlife. Happened to like the hours, believe it or not, back then. Uh, So I started promoting. uh, Soon worked my way up to VIP host, where I was selling bottle service at Foundation Room, LAX Nightclub, uh, Voodoo Lounge. And when LAX Nightclub finally closed, I took that as uh, my key to exit that industry as well. (laughs) That was your cue. (laughs) How in college did you get into the nightlife industry as a host that you've, was that due to hours that worked for the schedule or was that due to the most money you could generate with the hours that you had? How did you decide that that was where you were going in college? Sure. You know, I think if I was motivated solely by money, I I wouldn't have ended up working at LAX nightclub and voodoo lounge at the Rio. Uh, For me, it was uh, while I was in college, I actually went on birthright. So I did a trip to Israel. And while I was there, I met a few different people who also worked in nightlife. And they invited me to start working with them on this party bus. Um, While I was working with them doing the nightclub crawls on the party bus, eventually I graduated and no longer could just do that part time. I needed something more. Um, so, you know, I talked to some people and I said, you know, what's available? These are the people I know. I really just connected with my network, which I think is always huge for anybody. Huge. Uh, they said, 
they had a great opportunity for me um, working as a promoter, which if I think if I had realized how much a promoter actually made and all the hours, I would have done something different. But I was also at the time taking care of my grandmother. So I would take care of her during the day. And then a couple days of the week, I would go to the strip, you know, pound the pavement, hook people up on the guest list. And then because I worked so hard, they promoted me to do bottle service instead and sell things that are on a more VIP level, as VIP as LAX would get. Okay. Hey, it all counts, right? Because <laughs> sometimes right. for the hours, it's completely worth, you know, the hours that you are available to work, it does not conflict with school as much. So there's just so many parts of the industry, and we'll talk about that today for sure, um, that you can go in with these stepping stones. But okay, so what do you contribute to yourself as far as how you got promoted and moved on? You applied for a role and ended up getting a different role that you weren't even going for. Did they create that role for you because of your resume and how you presented yourself? You know, it was a combination of my resume and how I presented myself along with the opportunity presenting itself. This was something that, you know, they had needed, I guess, uh, our agency before I came on board, which was last July. So almost a full year, they really did a lot of menus and left a lot of the activating up to the suppliers to do and really was minimal. Uh, but it was something that our clients had kept requesting. So there's really a need to bring somebody on to focus on that across all of our clients. So I have the fortune of getting to work with Caesars, MGM. I mean, like I said, all of our clients. So it's a different perspective, even on how they operate, even though they do the same thing. And what do you think got you promoted and how you have moved on? What do you attribute to that? Like what, what was it that you did consistently or effortlessly, whatever it may be that got you promoted through these stepping stones? You know, um, there have been a couple things. I think the biggest one was my mindset. It was always, how can I come in and make everyone else's life easier? I think when you're working in a marketing position, everyone always asks, well, what are you even doing, right? Because we don't really provide um, direct sales all the time. A lot of what we do is experiential. It's how people feel. And a lot of that also is how you work with your coworkers and how you make them feel. So if I could come in and coordinate and connect the dots and make people's lives easier and what they're trying to accomplish, then I knew that I could get what I was trying to get done just by facilitating. So a combination of really just trying to come in every day and do as much as I can for everybody else, along with just making sure that I follow through on that too. Um, follow through, I think is most essential because if you don't follow through, then there's really nothing that anybody can stake you to. You have no work to be held accountable for. You have no work you can prove or show to other people. So, uh, follow through, work hard, do what you can for other people. That was really just kind of my mindset going into it and what ended up leading to me to be promoted so frequently and with so much success. It blows my mind how often I will hear a, I call it a belief lid, right? They, if you have a zero belief lid and you just sit there and live to serve, like you say, where what else can I do? How else can I contribute? What is left on the table that I could make this better for everyone involved? That takes you so far. And I think so many people, especially in our industry, come in with, you know, I don't want to say a negative mindset, but it's more of a, 
belief lid that just they're, they feel like they're at their cap instead of kind of looking around saying, well, there's a lot of opportunity here, you know? And, um, I think with that, you really need to be inspired and you have to have the commitment to either the industry, the role that you're doing something along those lines that will take you there. So, um, with that being said, what do you feel inspires you to have this mindset? You know, I think it was, it's really just understanding and having, I think, compassion for other people. It's understanding that we're all here to do a job and get something done and understand that, you know, what I'm trying to do is no more important than what they're trying to do. We're all working on the same team and there's a lot of opportunities to synergize what we're doing to work together to make this outcome as best as possible for everyone. That being said, um, as much as I like to think that I don't have a, or to go back to the belief lid part, I do want to just say that uh, it is important as I've learned more free, more recently that it is important still to, I think, create and set boundaries to make sure that you do have that balance. You know, like we were talking about work-life balance as much as I wanted to help other people, it was important not to do that at my own expense. But the tools that you've used so far that you've said have made you to where you are today, you can have growth with these tools. You don't have to be held back by your circumstances or where you come from or how much money you have or what degree you have. There's a lot of individuals in this industry that we're in that are working in the business without degrees as well. So there are stepping stones for those individuals too. But what possibilities for growth do you see for yourself? You know, that's something I've been thinking about more recently myself. Um, We work with some really great accounts that have national reach. And while I've been really focused here in the Las Vegas market, I see a lot of opportunity to work uh, on a larger scale and to bring kind of what we do here in Las Vegas to those brands and those properties that we have uh, across the country, tailored to, of course, where they are and their specific culture. Like uh, we had the pleasure of going to Hollywood Casino in Charlestown for their Charlestown races last year. And that was really fantastic to see what that team does, how we operate there and the great event that we throw that is similar, but different to a Las Vegas event. Yes. When I was with Jim Beam, we would receive, I had different markets, but I had the Pacific uh, Northwest and what went down in Wyoming did not necessarily jive in Utah. You know, you have to tweak it, but they made us use the same tools across the board. Granted, this is 25 years ago, but it didn't work. And every market, you know, desires a little tweaking. But what you can do in that space is have a consistent brand message. Yes. And that's what brand wants. Totally. So, you know, it's it's great. We had some amazing performers with uh, Fireball that we flew out. Of course, they were fire performers and they did amazing stuff there. But we've used them consistently in many different markets, just really, I think, tailoring what the performance was based on where we were going, just like you were saying. Yeah, you have to tweak it a little bit. I mean, they would give me triple XL t-shirts for Oregon, <laughs> where everyone is doing a non-motorized sport that is fit and active and healthy. So that didn't work as well as it did in Wyoming too. But yeah, you've got to be cognizant of the market that you are reaching, you know, exactly. obviously with that brand. But that's excellent because you in Vegas see so many walks of life. A million percent. You are not targeting, you know, even at MGM, 
the still the the variety of humans that will go to the same bar at MGM is not there's not an exact target demographic there. So you're marketing to the masses, and as you go to Atlantic City or you end up in Biloxi, you know you'll see that some of that might be different, right? Totally. Like you tend to see a lot more catering towards Asian guests in Las Vegas and on the West Coast than you do in like the South and on some of the Eastern seaboard. You definitely see different demographics being targeted. And it's beautiful because it really brings in, I think, um, it speaks to a lot of different guests. So everyone really feels included in different ways. You know, whether it's catering to Hispanic guests during Mexican Independence Day in September uh, there's always some kind of a fight, you know, a boxing or UFC with a Hispanic fighter. Mm-hmm. It's really great. It's, it's fun to just have something different every time and, and exposed to different cultures and be able to include different people. Well, and for brand, they might find out that they have a target consumer they didn't realize they had. Right. They have right. a new avatar that they didn't, they didn't see coming. Like if they go to Biloxi and you're like, these are all regulars, they all come from X, you know, they all do Y and they're all into Z. And maybe the brand didn't even have a clue that this was a new avatar for them. Exactly. But the brand message can stay the same. And I think that's what's most valuable to them and the data that you can give back. So um, I love that that's what you're looking at. Are you are you sold on the experiential marketing side for now? Is that is that what's making you thrive? Yes. Um, you know, as... It's a lot of fun working weekends and nights, maybe not so much, but being able to put on a good event and represent so many different brands, being able to work with so many really great partners uh, across all different levels of activation, you know, whether it's just, I hate to say just, but whether it's two brand ambassadors giving away some samples and sunglasses out by the pool all the way up to VIP events. It's fun to think in different ways. It's always a different challenge. And each property is a unique opportunity. And every brand's, I mean, their mentality is so different, isn't it? Wild. Wild. I mean, but that's to be expected when you're talking about, you know, Bacardi or uh, Mastro Dobel, whether you're talking about Botanist or Jack Daniels. So it's all really, really different. I remember when I was doing sales for the distributor and we had had absolute and we had flavors. And so selling flavored vodka was, that's when that first started. And then we acquired Bacardi. And I thought to myself, like, how in the hell am I going to sell flavored rum? Mm. And Bacardi's team explained to me that vodka's vodka, rum is rum, and flavors are flavors. And it was that one mentality switch that I was like, okay, now I can go into market and sell. Sure. Right? Because if you're at college bars and they don't care and it's a cheaper price point to, you know, purchase a flavored rum, you throw in a couple mixers and voila, do people really care? (laughs) That's it. I mean, ultimately with so many of these drinks, you know, once you have it in a cocktail or in a mixed drink, you really can't tell the quality or the difference. It really is just the difference in flavor. Yeah. Flavor and price, right? That's what motivates the consumer, I think, for sure. So you you did touch on BAs and BAs working these events. Do you feel that BAs have massive opportunity in front of them to move up in the business? In, I mean, it doesn't even matter if you're going to be a nurse in college and you'll be in college for six years. Do you feel there's still stepping stones regardless of the end-all be-all for them in this industry? I do think so. I think it, you know, ultimately 
there's always opportunity to grow no matter what somebody wants to do. I think uh, if you're a brand ambassador and you start picking up, let's say, side gigs, you know, if it's something that you're doing uh, just to fill in a couple extra hours, make some side money, and that's what you like to do, that's perfectly fine. I mean, tons of people make great extra side income doing that, and that's great. But if you really have a passion for representing brands, and if you have a passion for working with people, doing events and activations, there's tons of opportunity in all different ways. If you like working with the media side and production, there's always social media. We see that burgeoning and really blowing up in all different ways. And there's always a need for people who can write, edit, plan, you know, coordinate social media, always needed. There are people who are needed to put on a great experience. If you like setting up and you find that you take a real passion in making sure the display looks a certain way and is viewable a certain way, maybe planning and organizing and coordinating these events is the next path for you. And if you like working with people, solving problems, and and, and you're more of an organized individual, maybe it's something along the operational side, whether it's you know the day of operations, while you still get to work with people, but you're going to be the boots on the ground just to make sure that everything goes off without a hitch. There's always opportunity to move up, especially I think um, as people understand that college is great. College can teach you a lot of things, but if you're not going for, I think, a technical degree, something that's really a hard science or you're going for the networking, you're going to meet people and you're going to make better connections. So in that case, oftentimes your own experience as a brand ambassador can be your college. If you network and if you are working hard as a brand ambassador, building those relationships, trying out different brands, seeing what fits, not just for you, but for the people that you're working with, you know, the people you're working with, how you fit with them, you can find yourself uh, increasing not just um, what you're doing and how much you're getting paid because the brands, of course, that are more luxurious will pay more, have bigger opportunities, whether it's a, a national traveling brand opportunity or if it's a local but luxurious go-to person that you are. Uh, tons of opportunity to move up and to try different things and expand whatever your interests are. I agree. And, you know, when we, so back in 2018, I thought about expanding talent booking experts and how do you, you know, what do we just keep acquiring like more bodies, more bodies, more bodies. And I thought these people have to do more. There's no way that the brand ambassador is the only thing on their resume, right? Do we have a sales background? Do we work at Foot Locker? Do we know how to sell insoles as an upsell or what? So I did a deep dive into all of the resumes that were coming through and all the actors in L.A., that worked for us were also waitresses or bartenders, right? So yes, they provided their acting resume, but when you did a deep dive into things, they actually had other skills. You know, a lot of our brand ambassadors are actually performers here in Vegas. So we've got cool. fire dancers. We have, I have more mermaids than I ever thought I would have in the company nationwide because that's a niche. Like, people that are mermaids are mermaids and then they do yeah. the brand ambassador on the side, but they were born for the water for sure. So we could become this full on full talent booking agency, right? And then think about it. Our job as brand ambassadors is truly to create an experience for people, right? Yes. We want to create an experience for them. We want to do it through education and a memory, and if we can enhance our events that we do by having a fire dancer perform for 10 minutes, 
and then get back in a BA outfit and then maybe get in, you know, into her sword swallowing outfit because those two people typically do the same thing. Now mm-hmm. brand ambassadors at one activation have the opportunity to make so much more money than they would just standing as a BA when they could also, you know, throw in their other talents, right? And totally. when you come to the social media thought, hey, if you're a brand ambassador, have a BA page where you're showing off your social media skills, build that page, and now you can become an influencer for brands. Yes. All within the same time clock, you know? And now you have side revenue that you could, in case you happen to have an accident, break an ankle, and the BA thing has to be put on hold, you now have other revenue streams. So again, if we have a higher belief lid of where and what's possible, you know, you can really expand in this industry in a massive way and not put in extra hours. Yep, exactly. So it's just your mentality, right? Always. There's definitely opportunity. Like you were saying, um, definitely opportunity. Yes. It's everywhere. In our world, it's everywhere and it's endless. And the things you can do in a two-hour activation to make it a full 360, you know, deal is, I don't know. I just walk in, I just see opportunity everywhere. But I think that's just from the people I've learned from. So what, where did you get your mindset? What, what, how, I mean, were you born with that? Did you have mentors that have you um, studied under that have given you a new mindset? Like, where did you have that transition? You know, I, I'm not really sure. I do know at, at one point, I think it was very early, I had a, a small job and maybe it was an internship. It was one of those deals where you're not invited back. You know, you're not invited to have to get the job. Like you do the internship for the summer, but they don't want to hire you on. And they were like, uh, you know, you, you could have done more. And I think it was one of those occasions where it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to let that happen again. So that and, um, yeah, I think that it was one of those occasions where I was like, okay, well, just do as much as I can and uh, kind of take work differently, you know. Okay. So did you start studying under people? Did you start reading certain books? Like what was the what was the thing that turned the the needle for you? Like I mean, when it came to like my, my, uh, career, let's say my productivity and my output, it really was, I think one of those conversations that just turned it around for me as far as like, I just don't want to be known as the person who could have done more or or didn't do enough. You know, I want to always be invited back. I do think when it comes to mentors, um, you know, I have a few mentors that have really stuck out with me. Brene Brown, I think, is one of the most incredible people. Uh, her work in vulnerability and emotion has just changed my game. It's uh, I just finished a book club with my partner. Um, we did her book, Alice of the Heart, which goes through to explain all of the emotions. And that came on the heels of we had done um, uh, her book, Dare to Lead, about vulnerability and leadership last year. So... Uh, we really love her books. Uh, it teaches us just so much about interacting with other people, um, how to better relate to people. Because ultimately, our job working with people is to relate to each other. I am so in love that you just said this for so many reasons. Because one, it's 
A, who you surrounded yourself with, right? So you found a couple mentors that worked for you that you liked. I know there's a couple more that you're hiding, but they're they're different avenues, right? You don't have to just take one and absorb Mm. it all. You know, it can be like, there's many religions you might believe in. Like there's many just groups of people that you like to surround yourself with. But at the end of the day, who you surround yourself with is everything, because that's really what's going to lift you up. Secondly, you said that you and your partner got on the same page as far as let's read the same, I mean, your goals, you know, you guys both have a goal to kind of let's read this book, let's discuss it, let's learn from it. And the fact that it was about emotion, emotions, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. How cool is that? That now you're getting a different perspective and you're also learning from your partner and you both are on the same page and you have set goals together, which is unbelievable. So kudos to you guys. That's awesome. Um, Do you have any other mentors that really stick out that you continue to follow that keep you going or that you just thrive off of? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I really love the work of Rabbi Danya Rottenberg. She, so in our, I am Jewish and in our faith, rabbi means quite literally translated, just means teacher. And, and that's really what she is. She has a great book on repentance and repair and her work to help reimagine and create a more just and repaired world is something I really love. I love reading her newsletter that she does. Uh, her book was absolutely fantastic. Um, it relates to me personally because, uh, you know, I do think that we can all kind of agree that the world we live in is pretty broken. And while each brand says that they have what it takes to fix the world, I think understanding that it takes more than just a brand to do the real work, uh, to do the real fixing, helps us understand the kind of the priorities and to better understand um, how we can really do the, the real work of society, you know, and to help change things, fix things, and also reframe and put in a different perspective the work that we do with these brands to say, you know, while this beer isn't going to change the world, it's not going to fix all the problems. We can agree that it's a good time. You're going to have a good time if you drink the beer. It tastes pretty good. <laughs> and, you know, I think, you know, that's uh, just as important to keep in mind as much as they want to pitch that, you know, this beer will uh, end all the activism and make it so that there's no need for anybody to want for anything anymore. Well, I think our job in this industry, you know, for you and I specifically in event activations, I mean, I travel 40 weeks a year on average, and I love the plane. That's my favorite place to have conversations with people because studying human behavior is what we do. Mm. On the daily, I think you and I both look around, we're watching people, we're watching people's actions, we're learning from people. You know, we're not walking in with a set mindset of like, this is who's in here and these are what these people want. We're learning from them, which is what makes us better, right? Because the more varieties of people we can understand, the better we will be able to do our job. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's... um when I was working with station casinos, they were kind of known for doing these giveaways once a week, every other week where you were giving out a gift to your local guests just to bring them in, get them in the door. Uh, it was everything from, you know, lunch bag coolers to t-shirts, anywhere from 3000 to 7,000 pieces in the course of 10 to 11 hours. It was usually between three to 11 pallets of whatever it was. And uh, let's just say we didn't have to go to the gym, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
because <laughs> we are full service marketing people. But um, no, I mean, learning that a guest would be upset because they weren't able to get the gift because they hadn't played that much because they didn't earn that much in order to be able to gamble that much is like being able to understand like where they're coming from, being able to understand why they're upset, you know, why they aren't happy knowing that there's really nothing I can do about it. I can't take it personally. I can't fix their problems. If I were to break the rules and give them the gift, it's not going to solve their problem at the very heart of it. They have other things going on. And, and, you know, while I was in a casino and and people often go to the casinos for whatever pleasures that gives them uh, gambling, drinking, etc. cetera. Um, I think reading more and learning more about people made me understand and realize that, you know, uh, we can only do so much. Yeah, we've got to be solution based, right? So all we can do is take the data back and be like, "Hey, we might we might need a free giveaway for everyone." I mean, right, exactly that, or just uh, better understand that as people, you can't take it personally when people get upset that you know they don't get something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so any other mentors? Are there any other categories? Because so far you've got the mindset, you've got the religious side, like you're filling all sure. your soul up. Is there any other divisions of mentors that you follow? Yep, just I mean, just to round it out because you know we love a good three. It, I'd have to say MKBHD. He is this uh, YouTuber. And he just does tech reviews, right? But the production quality of what he does, uh, the way that he really focuses on uh, the quality and interaction of technology and being really human-centric, I think is great. You know, I love design. I love technology. Um, Ultimately, what we do is designed. Everything we do is designed in some capacity. So I do know that, you know, we got to rethink how we design things sometimes. You're staying savvy. I see you. Uh, We'll try it. Yeah. I definitely think you are. Okay. Um, so in this business, what is your biggest accomplishment to date? You know, I think my biggest accomplishment would be this um, seasonal pop-up bar that we had when I was working in the casino industry. Mm-hmm. We were looking for new ways to increase revenue in an existing space, as I think marketing teams often are tasked with, especially being property-based. Uh, just reimagining how we're currently utilizing space. So one of them was the lobby bar that we had, which is off the casino floor and was kind of tucked away by registration. It actually had the beautiful benefit of looking out on or opening up to this terrace that looked out over the pool and this great view of the city. Uh, You can see the whole strip even in the background, but they weren't really utilizing it. So I proposed coming up with a seasonal pop-up bar that would have a seasonal, fresh, different menu every couple months with a difference in decor, furniture, and really get a chance to utilize that space in a different way. We got very lucky. Uh, it was a hit. They ended up multiplying their revenue. Mul- you know, I mean, more than just multiples, but they multiplied their revenue because it was just from an underutilized bar to something that was exclusive. It had maybe 10 tables and was in a great area that catered to an audience that didn't have this kind of opportunity to sit at a beautiful venue with a really master class mixed mixology drinks and um, gourmet food options and pairings. They ended up taking this concept, using it, their flagship property. They continued that for a couple of years. And that was really, it was a fun project to work on. And, and I loved it. Yeah. Did they call it the Mitchell stand? 
No, not the Mitchell stand. It they was uh, have, right? the terrace. Yeah. <laughs> so was this empty floor space that you just envisioned something being there that you noticed, hey, this is an opportunity or was an existing just abandoned bar? Yeah, no, I mean, the bar was there. They, you know, they staffed it during check-ins, check-outs and at night on the weekends. But otherwise, uh, people didn't really go to visit it. You know, it was oh, just so you added the there. vibe. We added the vibe. We changed the music. We put up hedge walls, decor, brought out some different kind of flavor to it, depending on the season. You brought the sexy to it, didn't you? We did. We brought. You're like, look, that bar over there that's lonely is not sexy. (laughs) No. We need to make it sexy. (laughs) Bring out fire pits. You know, let's make it a warm, inviting environment where you want to go at the end of a date night to have an extra drink and walk around the grounds. Yeah. And so did you see a stronger response when they walked in at check-in or people coming back after because they saw the vibe at check-in? Coming back, you know, um, the people who would see it at check-in, they would see something going on, but they weren't sure what it was. It was really more so the people that were locals who would see in an advertisement or um through other marketing that we had a new opportunity, something different. Mm -hmm. And they were eager to try it out. And after seeing it once, they just wanted to keep coming back. That's great. And I feel like people, when they walk in, they have all their stuff with them. They're a little frazzled, you know, but they definitely want to drink. So it's more like, let's put these bags down and come back and go to that bar because they've already spotted it. Oh, yeah. They'll pony up to the bar, you know, they'll grab their drink to take back to the room with them. But then they'll see something happening just outside the doors and say, oh, what's all that? Like, let me come back for that. But that's a huge accomplishment. I hope you feel super proud that you're like, they took my idea and they stole yeah. it and ran with it <laughs> everywhere. Absolutely. You know, it, it, that's it. It was really, a, it was fun. It was a great project. It was a lot of fun. And I was really uh, honored that they chose to duplicate it. Yeah, right. I like, you're like, that's okay that they took it. Because look, it's winning. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we have to talk about the hard parts too. What is the hardest lesson that you have learned in business so far? I don't know if it's a a more modern thing, if it's a Vegas thing, but it's definitely been, you can't really trust that anything's going to happen until it's signed, sealed, delivered, and paid for. Um, I think we've all been told really great like things that are coming down the pipeline opportunities that are just around the corner and we all like want to hold out we want to just wait for that thing that's going to be so great but it just never seems to happen so you know i think for me it's definitely been uh one of the harder things to learn is that you can't take everybody for their exact face value you have to take them with some very large grains of salt and you know not really trust them until they followed through at least once or twice beforehand. I will tell you that in 25 years of being in this business, that was the hardest thing I learned moving to Vegas. Get it in writing. These handshake deals and these promises do not work. So I do think it happens, you know, all over, but I think heavy in Vegas, absolutely. But if you start to put these systems and policies and, you know, boundaries in place for yourself Mm. in business, you will just Absolutely. operate that way and be ahead of the game all the time, right? And it holds everyone accountable to what's actually been discussed. So there's many benefits to it. It's not just about being paid. It's about surpassing the goal and the, you know, expectation too. Oh, completely. Yeah, you know, it's, um, yeah, the, the getting paid is the piece that really like puts the, 
the the ribbon on it, right? I mean, uh, but following through, executing well, you know, just being doing the best you can is something that's so rare, especially in Las Vegas. But a hundred percent with you there. I think yeah. getting paid is cool, but like retaining the clients even cooler, right? Because getting paid once is awesome. Getting paid more than once by the same person is super dope. Oh, oh, completely. I mean. <laughs> On, I mean, that's, I mean, on, on my end, it's, it's totally my responsibility to exceed expectations. You know, like I said, to be invited back, to be never accused of not doing enough. I think on their end, it's, you know, as long as, you know, if I'm getting paid, if they follow through on their agreement, uh, I know I'm going to be invited back. It's a matter of if I want them to, if I want to work with them again. Oh, the, <laughs> you're right. flipping the script a little bit. <laughs> because I think we've all had like those opportunities that, you know, people follow through fall through with, they don't c- commit with, and then they want to come back with another opportunity and you can't trust them anymore. So, you know, it's, it really is, I think, different when you find your core base, your core following, your people who you can work with and work well and rely on and, and I think uh, grow with, you know. Absolutely. I, I, I love all the things you're saying. This is for me, I'm like, this is so good. <laughs> yeah. I agree with all the things, but um, okay, let's get into the nitty gritty because sure. we've got a group of listeners that have been working as a brand ambassador. Some of them are new, some of them have been doing this for 10 years and they know everything already. So you're speaking to a you know, a large audience. How long have you been working with brand ambassadors? I've been working with brand ambassadors in different capacities for, I mean, 10, 11 years. Okay. Yeah, so you've seen some things. <laughs> One or two. I mean, we've got to break uh, down the credibility first because I tell BA stuff all the time sure. and I think they look at me like I'm crazy, but I hear from brand and what brand wants, you know? So you being in the experiential marketing and on the agency side, this is great because we can have a different point of view. So I have to mm-hmm. ask some hard questions, but you've got to tell the truth. Okay, fair enough. All right? We need to help people learn. So what are the most detrimental mistakes you see made in the industry? And you can pick one that is like a top one that's a generic one for sure because we're going to dive in deeper. But there are a couple detrimental Mm -hmm. mistakes you see happening all the time. Oh, completely. I think some of the biggest ones is um, not being open, not being open enough, assuming that you know Exactly. Everything, how everything's going to go, you know what's going on, you've got it already. And that's a huge problem. I think it's funny, I was actually in a brand ambassador call, audition, whatever you'd like to call it, not too long ago. And one of the people just didn't let the interviewer talk at all, just didn't ask any, didn't let them ask any questions, just talked whatever they wanted to talk about. And that's because they walked in thinking that they knew how this interview was going to go and what they wanted to hear. So, you know, when I've had brand ambassadors that come in saying, oh, yeah, I know Jack Daniels. I've done Jack Daniels before, you know, at XYZ or at ABC Place. It's it goes this way. I'm like, okay, great. But here at this property, it needs to go this way. Here at this property, it's going to go that way. Or it's a specialty Jack Daniels feature because of a holiday or a new occasion or limited time offering. So it's going to be a little different. And if someone's not receptive to that, it's going to be disastrous. Okay. So they need to adapt. Adapt and be open to it. Absolutely. Okay. 
And uh, do you think there's any other tips that you could give that would help BAs be better BAs? Like what? Oh, okay, totally. top five things all BAs should top do five. prior to activations. Top five things before activations. It, I so okay. This is something that I learned the hard way. Have a bag. Have your essentials bag. I think it's going to be mandatory, like very important. These are going to be things like extra socks because not just if you have to change your socks, but if you need just extra fabric or cloth, it's great to have that. An extra hair tie, band-aids, water, uh, sugar pills if you need, or maybe a small Makeup bite to eat. Snack. Do you eat before or after, not during, but exactly. Because having those go-tos, if something goes wrong, because it will go wrong, it's important to have. I always keep it in my car if because I'm always running around to different activations. But if you're going to be in activation for more than an hour or two hours or three hours, bring it with you because it's good to have. We actually um, have an article that is essentials for your emergency kit. Because if you're going to wear a black tank top to the event, you should probably have a second black tank top as well, just in case your uniform is not on site that you all match. You yeah. know, safety pins, Absolutely. hairspray, like gum, <laughs> you know, totally. not for during the activation, just before the activation. But exactly. I mean, if things come up, you never know. It's always good to have. So for okay. sure. Number two, I would say would be to confirm everything. Details, clarify, understand, don't let any stone go unturned if it's not listed there and uh, don't run on any assumptions. Yes. Okay, number three. Um, number three, seek to understand. I mean, I think we we talked about that a little bit, but really, it's it's like go into it with the under with the mindset that you're seeking to understand the brand, you know, seeking to understand the guest and how you can best relate the two. Your brand education, like you've 100%. got to understand the product. And yes. what I've noticed a lot of our clients love is when BA show up and have questions about the brand. Like if there is someone there representing the brand that you have questions to ask them. Hey, I read this on the website, you know, Cardi B is involved with this brand. Did she buy in? Did she start this? Like just asking something showing that you care and you're also identifying that you did your own homework. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, keeping it authentic things that you're actually curious about and really interested in are going to go just a really long way. Yeah. That's super sexy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Without a doubt. Yeah. Okay. Number four. Um, early, get there early, get there, you know, at least 10 minutes early more. I mean, even if you know exactly how far this place is from where you're parking, you don't know how long it's going to take you to find that parking. Google Maps is always, for me, off by like five or six minutes. So I found that like, for me, I really get to places and I always recommend getting to places at least 10 minutes early, like always extra early. Well, and on top of that, when you get to the venue, it's going to take time to find the manager. It's going to take time to prep your product to be served the right way. What if in Vegas, your product could be in the basement of the casino. It may not even be at the venue yet. And that does not, that turnaround does not happen very fast. Oh, no. I had an event where the management didn't get us the product until the brand ambassadors were ready to leave. So that was, you know, 
no fault on them. They did their best. They pressed what they could, but the property just wasn't prepared. They weren't ready. And, you know, these things, unfortunately, are some of the things that lead us to needing to be prepared. Right. And you're learning. I mean, you already did call the day before. You already did make sure that the venue knew you were coming. Like you already did your prep work, you know, of the items we just discussed and it still happens. But the promotion, in my opinion, starts at start time. That's not when we walk in the building and start talking to the manager and the staff. And we like for our team at Talent Booking Experts to talk to the cocktail waitresses, tell them what you're doing in the building, tell them about the features, Mm. talk to the bartenders, maybe do a quick staff tasting training, you know, so everyone in the building can support the promotion. It's, I think it's so tacky when cocktail waitresses can't answer what those two girls dressed like that are doing. Isn't that, isn't that just the worst? I mean, you would think there'd be some knowledge or want to help because it's going to lead to them making more money too. And yeah. So if you take the time to speak to the manager, to speak to the staff, to get your cocktails ready, sometimes you have to flash chill your product because if it's in the basement and it's champagne, you've got to, you've got to be, you know, you have to be on point and that promotion should start on time. So that means all the things. That's why you got to be early. Yeah. Okay. And number five. Number five. I mean, just be flexible. You know, like we were saying, it's anything can really happen. You have to be flexible. You have to be understanding. You have to be. I mean, just I, keeping that mindset when you go into it is huge because it really is important to just like, as, as much as we do like a run of show and our confirmations and our details, you got to be flexible. Absolutely. And you have to adapt. <laughs> 100%. What can we do needs to be your attitude. Not exactly. sitting there How complaining. We- I think the worst thing of a brand ambassador is like when, you, especially when you see a beautiful woman and she's just a smoke show and she's complaining. My feet mm. hurt. Ugh, they don't know what they're doing. It's like, oh my gosh, what could you be doing instead of standing do. here? Yeah. No, really. I mean, the best brand ambassadors to me are ones that, you know, will find solutions to problems, check in with me along the way as their point of contact, and really come to me with, you know, answers and problem solving, not just more problems and, and asking me what to do because any given day, you know, we may have nine, 20, 25 promotions or activations going on. So having that little bit of initiative from a team member who kind of understands the goals, understands what they're doing, understands what their role in the big puzzle is and can help. It's all day long, you know, they become superstars. Like I want them every single time. You're requesting them, right? My name. Yep. 100%. Exactly. That's why we created the certification. And that is exactly it. It's how to handle the challenges that arise. Because when you get that phone call, like Mitchell, you're not there. And you might be so knee deep in Biloxi, Mississippi, or somewhere at a different activation where you don't know what's happening. You don't know the environment. you, You know what I mean? So first of all, you have to stop and be like, okay, where are you? What is your name? <laughs> you know, what is the scenario? And you have to ask all these questions to be able to give the proper answer. And the greatest right. PAs will call you and say, this is Sarah. I'm at Park MGM. Here's the scenario. And here's a few options I see. Tell me what you think. Exactly. I mean, I've had really great brand ambassadors who 
have ended up working with us in account executive roles because when they applied for the job, you know, because, sorry, uh, because they kept showing up when we would invite them to work with us because they were so great. So you never know where that can lead you to, especially I think being a, a go-to person. Absolutely. And someone you can trust, right? They're, they're thinking, exactly. they're, they're future thinking, forward thinking. It's, yeah, they're solution-based, of course. So um, I think what we just learned is that complaining is a hard no. That's it. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, then I won't even ask the worst BA story because I think any complainer would definitely be on there. <laughs> Honestly, like, it, I'm lucky if, if that's the worst thing happening. I mean, you name it. We've all seen it, I think. You know, eating on during a promotion, sleeping during a promotion, vaping during promotion, uh, drinking the product, you know, like, it's just... Uh, it's always a little surprising and then I'm always surprised I'm surprised because I just have to understand that things are going to go wrong. But um, yeah, the worst BAs just are not there, not mentally, not physically there, you know, no calls, no shows. Yeah. There it's, it can, it can be kind of rough because you're trusting people. So, you know, first thing I do is go look at their resume, like who, where did they pick this up that this worked for them? I heard about a model getting DoorDash during a promotion at a sampling event. Off-premise tasting. That's a a new one for me. I love that. That's crazy. I love that. Well, there's eyes everywhere. That's what I don't... I mean, you're on camera, first of all, in these buildings. Vegas, there is not an ounce of square footage without a camera. Yeah. The bathroom is going to be your only place, right? So you're always on camera. And then on top of that, there's so many people around you and you're drawing attention to yourself. So why? Good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Even when uh, an activation is dead, I mean, over March Madness, they decided to activate at a pool. I don't know why. It was 50 degrees. No one was there, right? No one was there except for the staff, management, and my brand ambassadors. So the brand ambassador who looked around said, oh, there's nobody here. I'm going to lay down right now, (laughs) take a nice little nap. Didn't have the forethought or understanding to say, oh, there's nobody here. So all the staff, all the bartenders, all the bussers, all the managers are looking at me because I'm the new one here. I'm the only one that doesn't hear normally, isn't here normally. I'm the one with the brand written across my entire body, drawing attention to myself as well, right? I am the only guest. Right. right. So, wow. you know. So what what do you do in that case? Oh, they were summarily asked to uh, please leave. They were not paid for that day. They weren't going to be invited back to work with us ever again. And I felt bad for that one brand ambassador on her own. You know, she was... Of course, there was, I mean, let's be honest, there was nobody else there. So it wasn't that much of a lift, you know, bandwidth wise, but it said a bad, you know, it was a bad look in front of another brand ambassador. It was a bad look in front of the property. We had to apologize to them. You know, we had to let the property and management understand how we were moving forward with other brand ambassadors so that this wouldn't happen again. And the more rigorous vetting and processing that we had to do in the future. 
Yes. And think about how many people that impacted. That one selfish decision impacted your company, the brand, the property, the relationship between you and the property. It's not just about the brand ambassador needing a power nap. Me and the property, me and the the vendor, the brand ambassador company who staffed with, you know, we staffed with. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Not talent booking experts, by the way. It was not. Uh, <laughs> Let's it, clarify. No, I, I, I wish it had been, but then I know it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Um, and the legendary, we kind of already covered what makes a great BA, but is there a moment totally. that sticks out for you of just a savage brand ambassador? Like just someone who you will never forget that you will always welcome with open arms due to X, Y, or Z reason. I mean, yeah, because she now works for us as an account executive. I mean, she just was such a solid go-to person who always came through with um, saying yes to opportunity, to creatively giving her two cents, you know, where appropriate, and was able to solve problems and understand that, you know, um, she was there to help. She wasn't there to be the center of attention. And she's honestly one of the best people that we have working with us. She's really great. She contributes a whole bunch to the team and offers a lot of perspective that we were missing because she had, you know, heels on the ground experience. Oh, heels on the ground. I love that. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and um, is there something that you wish agencies did differently? With BAs or prepping BAs, staffing BAs, anything they did differently? You know, something that's come up consistently has been um, consistent staffing. I like to have the same people with the same kind of brands and at the same kind of places. Um, familiarity, I think, is great. It helps us better understand, you know, the flow of everything. People are more – you grease the wheels. It's a more well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. Um also, I think more pictures, more video, it's it's tough. You know, we don't really have opportunities to all of the sales data being a third-party agency. So oftentimes the only real reporting back that we can do is via photos and video in these recaps. So any opportunity for more photos, more video, especially in this day and age, gives us just more opportunity to put together a better recap, um, different social media postings. Um, and oftentimes the photos can tell you more about how an event went than any numbers. You can get a real feel for a vibe or for uh, an attendance with photos and video um, because you, it, it's hard to make an event really look busy when it's the same three people in every photo. So it tells a lot, you know. Absolutely. I mean, we talked earlier, our job as brand ambassadors and experiential marketing is to create an experience for people. So That's if it. you have three people at an event, I hope that they are having the best damn time they have ever had because it is the only three people you have to make happy, right? And if you can't right. have a good time with three people, how are you having a good time with 50? Exactly. I mean, ultimately, it's not up to the brand ambassadors to get people in the door it's just making making sure that they have the best time. Right. So those recaps, yeah, those recaps with the three people, that's more so for the property to say, hey, you could have marketed this better. You only have three people. But look at how much fun they were having. Look at how great this is. Yeah, these three people, three people are lifers <laughs> to this yeah, property now. They'll bring Jameson until, you know. Yeah. And I think the other thing we see too here in Vegas most 
because this doesn't happen everywhere else, is the impression that you make here in Vegas with the brand, they may not purchase that product because here we have things like $1,000 bottles of Sky Vodka, let's be honest. And if you just purchase a $1,000 bottle of Sky Vodka, you're not necessarily going to go and buy a $1,500 bottle of Tito's. That's not in the budget, right? But you had to do this because this is how Vegas seats people in certain venues and whatnot. So what happens that we want to happen, but they'll be in the liquor aisle when they get home. And as they're scanning across and come across Tito's, they're going to maybe not remember the model's name. They may not remember necessarily what transpired or what because of the party scene, but they're going to remember the experience and how that brand ambassador made them feel and instantly go for the bottle of Tito's. Exactly. It's that person who, when they get home, you know, when they're unpacking everything, they pull out that Jameson fuzzy wristband from St. Patrick's Day parties and they go, oh yeah, wasn't that crazy? And then they like <laughs> no, I got it in a drawer and then every St. Patrick's Day, they take it out and they order an extra Jameson, you know? Yes. I've got a couple of stories where we've taken, I mean, NASCAR is my favorite. You know, the guys show up yes. in their crown jacket and their crown hat and their crown drink and they're like, crown's my drink. And you're like, oh, come here. You know, and you give them an experience and a little attention and some education and they're walking out of the footprint in a beam hat and a beam shirt. And they're like, Beam's my drink and Jody's my girl, you know? I had a customer that that happened and that gentleman came back to the NASCAR race every year a day early for the next three years. Jody here? I was like, Jimmy, she'll be here tomorrow. (laughs) You know, so they never forget how you they make how you make them feel. And I think that's what's really important. But with these photos, real quick before we go, how what's the best way to handle capturing this footage because having your phone out is not a good look because all the people are watching. We already talked. Cameras are everywhere. People are, the eyes are on you. And if you've got your phone out 24 seven, it's not a good look. So how do you handle getting the footage and still maintaining the role that you're there to do? Like, how do you recommend that BAs handle that on, on site? I'll be honest. It, it takes tact tact and grace because uh, I think a key thing is keeping the phone face down if it's on the table. So this way it's not like the screen is up. It's getting your photos of yourself, your setup, your team members, all of your check-in photos uh, before the activation starts. It's getting all that squared away, all the photos of yourself beforehand. And then this way afterwards, you're taking photos of people, of the interactions. You're taking videos of people taking that sample or holding up the rally towel that you gave them or interacting with your brand a different way. That's really the best thing you can do. And as soon as you're done with that, you tuck it away. I mean, that's really the best advice that I have. It's when you see somebody scrolling on it or you see, you know, for extended periods of time or just sitting out but up it, you know, makes you a little worried. Yeah. Or in your top, like in your bra, like just take your footage and then put it away. And then it's not an issue. Nothing's going to happen. For, I think for the vast majority of events, when it comes to like, you know, pools or brand ambassador experiences, most of them are fine with a fanny pack. You know, if you do have a fanny pack or some bags, I know too oftentimes nothing has pockets. You know, that's a great place to stash it for a second. Some place that's easily retrievable, but hidden. That's not visible. 
Absolutely. And I think that if you can come up with a concept, you know, what's wild to me is that these, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but I get a lot of great filtered photos that come across my desk and applications and a lot of things. And, you know, there's some real creativity behind some of these brand ambassadors with photo taking skills. And I wish they would apply the same thing, not the filters, but to the experiential footage. What we want to capture is the feeling. We want the vibe in the photos, in the videos. If they could create a scenario of, I'm going to get my phone out, I'm going to run through this crowd and get everyone to scream, and we're going to throw beach balls all at once and create the vibe that's happening with when the camera's out, that's an epic opportunity. You can capture so much great footage in just two minutes, take 40 photos. I know they're capable of it, you know? And then give that to us. That, I think, is some of the best footage we can have. Completely. All right. Well, anything else you want to say to these brand ambassadors as we have a final moment of things that impress you or any tips or tricks? You know, um, go out for every opportunity you can. Uh, whether you're qualified or not, you will learn from the experience. Um, do your best. Show up just being the best person you can be, your most wholesome and complete self. I think will take you as far as almost anything else. Um, it definitely takes, I think, most people further than when they try to put on a mask or try to be somebody. So just think, be yourself. Show up as authentic as you can. Don't stop um, following your passions and going out for any and every gig that you come across. And always be learning. Just sponge it up, right? Great, great. Yeah, great addition. Absolutely. Well, Mitchell Levinson, 10 years. It's actually 11. Let's be factual. 11 years in this business. I think that you know what you're talking about. So if they don't take it from me, hopefully they take it from you so we can go out and create a better experience for all of our brands out there. Absolutely. Thank you so much. for This was really great. I had so much fun today. (laughs) I appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. So wait, Mitchell, before we go, where can they find you on social media? Yep, they can find me uh, at Rebel Mitch almost everywhere. Uh, Rebel because of UNLV, no other connotations. Um, <laughs> Twitter, it's at Thrax Rebel, T H R A X uh, Rebel there. So if anybody still uses Twitter, nobody has any blue checks anymore that matters. So I'm going to get off there soon too. No, you know what? Twitter is a powerful tool. I will tweet Malibu Rum and they will get right back to us. Oh, there you go. They watch, the brands watch their Twitter handles, their tags, like all the things. So if, you, if you're if you ever at a Marriott bar and you have a problem getting service, tweet the Marriott. They will get it fixed instantly. So don't undervalue Twitter. It's not that saturated. Right, I'm back on it. <laughs> Deal. I'll, I'll get back on my Twitter. Yeah. I'll find you. We can tweet each other at bare minimum. So, all right, Love Mitchell it. Levinson, thank you so much. I truly appreciate having you today. And I will see you on the other side. Thank you for joining us at the table of modeling success. I am your host, Ryan Donatelli, and you can find me on all social channels, mainly Instagram, LinkedIn, and ryandonatelli.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe and meet us here every week where we will be discussing the actual happenings that no one wants to openly talk about in the talent and entertainment industry.